Hello, I'm Chris Hudson and welcome to FIS's Freight and Commodity Podcast on Wednesday the 26th of January. On this week's podcast, we touch on geopolitics, volatile financial markets, as well as a closer look at the dry freight, iron ore, carbon emissions and oil markets. On the commodity markets front, as we approach the Chinese New Year, a little wave of calm has seemingly worked its way into markets as the giant Chinese economy finished up business before the Lunar Festival next week. That's not to say that things have been boring, with many casting an eager eye later in the year and the prospect of a roaring return to normality. Calm is definitely not the word to be used when thinking about other events around the world that could, if they escalate further, have significant impact on world markets. I am, of course, talking about the Russia-Ukrainian border dispute and China and Taiwan. But let's take a look at the main market indexes and movements week on week. These are obviously Tuesday the 18th of January versus Tuesday the 25th of Jan. Uh, On the freight markets, they have continued their fall. Cape size down 43.3%. Now 6,180 closing yesterday. Panamaxes and Supermaxes less of a fall. Uh, 11.4% week on week for Panamaxes, uh, 4TC and Supermax 10TC down 8%, uh, 16,500 and 18,5000 abouts uh, from those two respectively. On iron ore, the kind of the only one on, on my sheet here on the main markets which has actually increased its value uh, week on week. It was 127.30 uh, last 18th of Jan and now has popped up. 8.3% to 137.85. On the fuel oils, the SING 0.5%, the very low sulfur fuel oil, that has slid sl- um, slightly down. 1.3%, 6.37.24 now closing last night. On the tankers, a uh, little bit of movement on the T3Cs, the big uh, crude carriers, 35.32 closing down 1.4% week on week. Uh, and on the clean side, TC2, that is down 9.7% week on week. TC5 down just half a percent, 96.79 closing. Uh, and on the steel markets, we have seen a little fall there as well week on week. 917 bucks it was for the Northwest European Steel HRC, now 900.5 closing last night, or 1.8% down. What listeners will definitely have seen this week in the news are the tensions on the Ukrainian border reaching a pinnacle. The implications for commodity markets of a conflict would be wild and volatile. Another big thing in the news the last week has been volatility in world financial markets. The FTSE All World Index of Developed and Emerging Market Shares has lost more than 6% this month, leaving it on track to record the worst month since 2020. And yesterday we saw the S&P 500 touching correction territory on Monday. Although we have seen a move back up, it's fair to say that markets are jittery. Alistair Petty, a keen follower of these markets, gave us his overview of proceedings recently. So this uh, start of this year has seen some volatility in the markets, um, primarily from the um, Federal um, Open Markets Committee, the FOMC, which in December announced that they were going to reduce their bond buying uh, which they've been doing pretty much since the start of the pandemic, um, $120 billion of, um, a month of bond buying, which has now been reduced to $60 billion and is expected to stop this March. Uh, the reason they're stopping this is to help um, increase the interest rates, um, which is basically in line to um, slow down inflation, which is currently at 7%. Um, there is a meeting today, or the last two days of meetings been going on, and Jerome Powell will be uh, giving a press conference today and uh, will likely give us a better idea 
on how many rate hikes to expect this year and uh, in 2023 and 24. Investors are keen to know how sensitive he will be um, to the stock markets, although that's not their primarily goal is to, it's not to um, keep the stock markets um, buoyant, but um, investors were very keen to decide uh, on how that's going to affect them and over the last few days we've seen some extreme volatility uh, primarily Monday where we saw the DAX and uh, sorry the yeah DAX Dow S&P all dropped and NASDAQ all dropped four um, percent early in early morning trading before recovering and finishing positive on the day now you'll struggle to find many days that a stock market has reacted like that down four percent and finishing high on the day even with that recovery, many of the world indices are still uh, close to correction level. Correction level being where a market index has dropped uh, 10% from a recent peak. Um, the S&P currently around about 8.5% down from the recent peak. Um, the China 300 uh, index also um, that same sort of level. This Chinese media have, uh, well, state have been uh, trying to encourage um, investors to uh, be strong and not to worry. Although the the volatility is pretty extreme, so a lot of people have been, a lot of retail investors have been selling out and um, going for sort of safe havens and buying gold, which is sitting at a two-month high of eighteen dollars forty currently. Um, we've seen the volatility volatility index, uh, the VIX, um, which is the S and P options index uh, sitting at 30% um, which is a level that hasn't been seen very often um, pre-pandemic was only seen three or four times in the five years before dry freight markets have continued their slide in the last week albeit less dramatic than the week before let's hear from Kerry Deal our head of business development on more detail on behind the scenes of what feels like a slump into an armchair after a large Sunday lunch for freight Or more like having a heart attack and laying out on the floor. Uh, You're right, Chris. I'm afraid the year has not gotten any better for dry bulk owners in the past week. Cape rates continued to lose ground across all the routes, and the 5TC average fell to 6,180 on Monday. That's over 43% down from the previous week. Q1 is a low season for iron ore demand, which, as we mentioned last week, has not been helped at all by Valet having a production disruption due to flooding. Um, Even though they've now restarted their mining operations in southern Brazil, uh, it still hasn't helped at all. With the Chinese New Year approaching, Asian markets have gradually cooled this week in preparation for the holiday period. On the fixture side, offers were forced lower with an ample supply of tonnage in both basins. In the Pacific, we saw that C5 Aussie to China level slipping uh, for early Feb dates from $7.70 gradually towards $6.90 at the end of last week, and rumors of six and a quarter being done yesterday saw Cape Paper sold down even further, with the nearby contracts in particular getting crushed. Brazil has not fallen at quite the same pace, but levels on the C3 slipped below $17 yesterday. While there is no immediate relief in sight, I think it is worth noting that the futures on the nearby months continue to trade at a substantial premium to that spot level. So you're looking at Feb trading at 10,125 this morning, excuse me, on the FIS Live platform. And the Q3 holding up very nicely at 27,475 as of this morning. 
While I wouldn't look for a major resumption of Chinese mill demand until after the Winter Olympics finish on the 20th of Feb, at, uh, at that point, I think it seems quite feasible to expect some restocking. In addition, with the Panos trading at a spot premium of over 9,000 bucks now, we are finally hearing of some capes taking coal stems now, um, and usually, um, and some Panamax stems being combined, which could help to put a floor on things if this continues. Panamax rates also continued to head lower last week. Although coal shipments showed some signs of recovering from Australia in particular, uh, lack of fresh demand and lower grain shipments overall set a negative tone. Those grain exports, uh, we saw a slight 4% decrease in volumes with shipments around 10.5 million tons last week. Uh, in the Pacific, Australia took advantage of high prices and boosted its coal exports, up 13% actually, uh, to 7.8 million tons last week, with 1.7 million tons of that directed to India. That's according to IHS Commodities at Sea Service. Although Indonesian exports, I should add, have yet to recover. Increased competition from the capes on the coal business is not helping that situation. But uh, in the near term, increasing Brazilian soybean exports should hopefully lend some support. Uh, this morning, we're seeing that Panamax February contract trade at 17625 uh, value and uh, the Q2 trading at 22500 value. That's uh, both live on the FIS Live app. Chinese New Year is almost here, and the wrapping up of business before the holiday seems to have been largely completed. That being said, perspectives now have shifted to the post-holiday and post-winter Olympics period. Tom Fegan, our iron ore broker in Singapore, gave us an overview of this market. All right, the last week or so in iron ore continues the trend of holding decently firm um, combination of things, really. Um, I think the COVID or the Omicron variant is having a little bit of uh, playing out a little bit with the miners. Um, there are labor restrictions in Brazil and in Australia, at least causing a little bit of short-term front-end supply problems. Um, combine that with um, the Chinese central bank um, releasing a bit of liquidity into the market with a looser Chinese monetary policy. It really looks like there's, there, there's going to be a, there's, there's enough behind this to, to give it a real push after Chinese New Year next week. That being said, it is still really stuck in the range. Um, we haven't blown out of the, the, the sort of the, the technical levels as of yet, so it's not a, it's not a, it's not a definite bet, but it definitely feels that once the uh, Olympics are over, uh, once there's less of a global look on the Beijing sort of pollution side of things, and once there's a sort of a clearer view on the on the rest of the year in terms of Chinese monetary policy, I think that that the market is generally bear, uh, generally bullish. Um, but as we've seen in our time and time again, these things change on a flip of a coin. But um, it does feel that with uh, with the physical market um, reducing their guidance levels, with the Omicron variant potentially having a little bit of um, a delayed or a long a longer dated effect, we're going to see a little bit of an iron ore supply problem into China, um, at least in the short term. In carbon markets, after the leaked draft EU legislation we saw recently, there's been a bit of a backlash from charterers, but it seems highly likely now that the main operators of a vessel will be ultimately responsible for any financial implications for emissions. However, that is not the only new development in this fast-paced and quick-changing market, as we hear from Theo about the new innovations and everything going on. Right, so uh, the uh, the carbon markets have been quite interesting in the uh, start up, the lead up to the start of the year. Um, as of uh, yesterday's close, the uh, European 
allowances December EUA contract uh, settled at $87. It hit a high of close to 88 and then slightly came off. Um, what we saw was last Thursday the allowances for in the auction received 116 bids, which has been a record for this year, with only 16 buyers obtaining offsets, which means unsuccessful bidders had to switch to the secondary market. Um, I discussed a couple of weeks ago my thoughts on what can drive the market up and down, I guess, and discussed that there may be a delay in the calculation of these free allowances and they may not receive on time, which is the deadline is the 30th of April. This means that that ability to borrow from future years, that free allocation will not be possible, and that's probably forced industry participants to buy earlier. Um, analysts have raised their EU carbon forecasts across the board following late last year's rally, which saw some warning that competition narratives could drive the market sharply in either direction in the coming months and while well, maintaining a high level of volatility. Um, analysts have upped their near-term EUA price estimates by about 20 to 25%, uh, expecting that the front year uh, could now train around 80 euros this quarter and post a mean just shy of 78 euros during the first half of 2020. Two, of course. The analysts now see the uh, benchmark contract posting 76 euros average for 2022. That's up 21% from the prior outlook, but well below the current levels of 87, which is pointing to some downside in that second half of the year. Um, carbon has felt the impacts of volatility in the wider European energy complex, as well as the equity markets, plus any policy developments that are uh, related to the EU's Fit for 55 climate energy policy negotiations. And of course, investor demand is seen continuing to play that significant role. The uh, Russian-Ukraine military conflict, of course, will likely be bullish for gas prices, to which carbon is closely correlated, especially if it means Russia's gas supply to the companies is cut off or the uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline is permanently scrapped. On the flip side, a milder than expected winter coupled with a strong influx of LNG cargoes could counter that, as could increase renewable output or any further demand disruption from heavy industry due to sky-high energy costs. I must also add that through historically though, the uh, European gas storage levels are expected uh, continue to be low, and that should keep support for that price of the EUA, which supports carbon. And on the policy front, there are discussions regarding bigger annual reductions in permit supply possibility as soon as 2023 and 24, um, a one-off emissions cap rebasement around the same time, and a strategy to bring um, emitting sectors like shipping, road transport, and buildings, uh, heating into the scheme. Uh, or a new adjacent, adjacent one delivery volatility to, in the future. So it's all quite interesting for the start lead up to that uh, first uh, month of EUAs. Now moving over to the uh, voluntary carbon market, I'm going to introduce a few indexes and explain just briefly what they are. And uh, in the following weeks, we'll start getting used to them. Uh, Platts has three indexes that they use for the voluntary carbon market. Platts is a CEC, um, which is more related to the course here eligible type of credits. And that yesterday sold out, and these are all in US dollars, $7.75. There's a Platts CNC, which is related to the nature-based credits, like forestry, which sold at $15.75 US dollars. And a Platts, Platts household device, devices, which is household devices that carry a, a standard SDG or code benefits. And that's sold at $9.75. On top of that, the other two indexes we are looking at is the CME GEO, December 22, which is like the Platt CEC, I guess, Corsia. That's sold at $7.79. Uh, 
and the CME NGO December 22, which I guess will be more related to the PLAS CNC, which is the nature-based uh, credits, that's sold at $15.70. All these indexes are slightly down, probably due to uh, the reducing risk and general macroeconomic weaknesses. Uh, forestry project, pro, uh, project carbon credits are slightly lower and experiencing higher volatility due to their link to the gas price of agricultural commodities produced in the same geographic area. So the cost of setting up forestry credits is given by the cost of diverting people away from drivers of deforestation. So fair value is more sensitive to those commodity prices. So take, uh, for example, soybeans. If soybean prices increase by 20%, then the carbon price in produce in Brazil must also compensate for that opportunity cost. The other thing to watch in this market is uh, the cryptos. And there are two in particular. Um, the first one I'm starting to look at very closely is Toucan Protocol which is a reference token representing one, one tonne of carbon from the VERA uh, unit registry from 2008 or later, which is bridged by the Toucan protocol. It's currently back up at $5.20, US and which in basic terms is a floor to the Corsia credit. So you can probably link the PLATCC or the CME GEO contract to uh, this Toucan uh, coin. And the new kid in the block is the, a new one called Moss Carbon Credit, and this one's been very uh, volatile. Moss buys carbon credits from high, high quality environmental projects in the Amazon forest. So you can consider this a like project to the NGO or the Platts CNC forestry credits. In the last four days, it started at seven US dollars in one day, then rose to 20 the next, and is back down to 10. The volumes on these have been growing at an alarming and exponential speed. We could have an entire podcast actually, and we should probably devote one to carbon cross uh, crypto and explain all the links. Um, but we have to mention one, which is the infamous or maybe very famous KlimaDAO. And I was reading on their uh, on their website, their mission statement states, and KlimaDAO is behind Toucan and this uh, Moss Carbon Credit. KlimaDAO will solve the critical problems of the carbon markets: illiquidity, opacity, and efficiency. In delivery of this objective, KlimaDAO will become the single biggest disruptor of the carbon market and set a precedent for new monetary system backed by carbon. That's a pretty ruthless statement. Now finally moving on to uh, uh, CME, it's been quite active actually and yesterday we saw um, in the in the 12 hours which the session probably starting in the European time ending in New York time, um, in volumes in the GEO and NGO contract we saw 686,000 tonnes traded which is quite a considerable amount for quite a new product. The GEO contract, which is the Corsia-related contract, traded 269,000 uh, tonnes, and the NGO traded 417,000 tonnes. There were actually two uh, trades that I want to highlight here, which is actually uh, becoming, to me, quite an interesting uh, move in this market. There was uh, two spread trades that occurred for 100,000 tonnes last night. First one was a spot versus December 22 contract, a negative 20 cents, so it means it's contango to December and the second one was December 22 versus December 23. So it's an annual contango of 60 cents. So these trades are, are considered uh, carry trades. So basically it's the compound interest rate of buying one versus selling the other. And this is quite, this is uh, used heavily in uh, other markets of course. Uh, and I was told actually today that in the crypto markets, carry trades in the past would carry like a 30% compound interest rate. When I did the uh, calculations on these trades, I found that 
the 22-23 carry trade held a 4.5% carry, which is quite significant. So you can see that now this market has moved away from just being people that want to hedge voluntary carbon credits. It's starting to attract uh, uh, trading houses, starting to attract crypto trading houses, funds, banks are getting involved. So the the number of type of uh, participants and training strategies is increasing on a daily basis. So the liquidity is going to increase, and that's there's no surprise that we're hitting 10 million tons now on the uh, NGO contract for December 22. So it's quite interesting times in that area too. Oil markets have seen a slide down along with many other commodities week on week. This is despite supply tightness in very low sulfur fuel oil still persisting in Singapore and in the US a prediction that crude oil inventories fell 872,000 barrels in the week ending January 21st. We of course will have to wait for the EIA actual figures later today to see the confirmation of that fall. Earlier this week Saudi Aramco chief exec was quoted in Bloomberg saying that global oil demand is nearing pre-pandemic levels. This, of course, is all being driven by the hope that the new milder Omicron variant spells the end for significant lockdowns, allowing the opening up of economies, travel and generally oil demanding activities. On the shipping fuel oil front, the Singapore Hi-Fi spread, that's the difference between very low sulfur fuel oil and high sulfur fuel oil, also known as a scrubber spread, uh, was elevated amid supply tightness, though more shipments were expected to arrive to ease the shortfall later in Q2 and may reduce that uh, spread later in the year. In the meantime, although buyers were uncomfortable with the high very low sulfur fuel oil prices that were heading towards the 700 bucks mark, they had little alternative as prices of marine gas oil were also high and the lead times for installing a scrubber would obviously have huge cost implications as a lump sum and no guaranteed re- return on, on, on that investment. Meanwhile, the FOGO spreads are expected to flatten later in the year with increasing production supplies from oil-producing countries. Uh, the recent surprise build in commercial U.S. crude inventories also ended a seven-week drawdown and enforced beliefs that the market is heading towards that equilibrium. If you look at OPEC+, Plus, their compliance uh, with their production quotas, uh, they recorded 122% in December, and this was up from 117% in November. Uh, that was according to Argus Media there. But, of course, another important factor for the oil market watchers will be Russia and everything going on there. Uh, and this was outlined by Alistair, who he heard talking earlier. Um, this is also due to the ongoing problems with the Russia-Ukraine um, developments. Russia keen to um, remove Ukraine from NATO and also actually uh, Eastern Europe out of NATO and they have their um, um, control of gas which uh, supplies I think about 35% of gas to Europe Um, although they haven't sort of said they'll switch that off completely and they haven't done in the past over sort of the last 20 years they've always even, even in difficult times that's always been an open tap but they do have that and they have threatened to reduce the supply. Uh, Biden's rushing around uh, trying to find some uh, temporary surge for gas from um, the Middle East and Africa in case uh, need be. Uh, Also on the same on uh, on the oil front. That's it for this week in the freight and commodity markets. If you would like to stay up to date with everything going on, then do sign up to our app, FIS Live, or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Do join us again next week for more analysis and insight and have a great end to your week.